another Indie Game Preservation Project interview. I am Jonas Rosland with HitSave, and I'm here today with Carolyn Liu from Clodossian Games. Hello. Hi, Carolyn. So we uh, we met at Boston Fig uh, Virtual Fest a couple of weeks ago, uh, almost a month ago now, I think. And I saw your game Q-Cubed, or Q3, as I see you, you call it, uh, in some documents as well. And I was um, kind of amazed with the way it looked and, and the way the puzzles worked. So I wanted to interview you, and I've tried out the, the demo as well. Uh, not the demo. I, I paid for the game. It's only $2 on, on itch. How, I don't understand how you can sell it that cheap. Um, but I tried out the game. I had a blast with it. I'm stuck at level 42 shift right now, um, trying to get past that. Um, yeah, so we want to talk about QQ, but I want to dive into um, who you are first. So, Carolyn, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I guess my full-time job is as a programmer. Um, I think basically I went into college like not really knowing what I want to do. I think originally I was like, oh, physics or like mechanical engineering, and then eventually kind of settled on computer science. Um, like just the classes I took were the most fun. And I think, so even before that, I was kind of interested in video games, but I was like, I don't really have the skill set for that, I guess. Um, and I think like I was specifically interested in indie games, I guess, because I wasn't really like allowed to play video games much as a kid. And then I think in high school or something, I, some of my friends started introducing me to like indie games basically. And I was like, wow, this is great. And like, you know, I was never that interested in shooters. so. I always wanted to do that. And then so in college, I guess, like, I kind of slowly uh, moved myself to, into, like, that space, I guess. Like, um, I think something that really appealed to me also is, like, I do art, I guess. Um, not super great, but I always really liked it. And so I think games really has this great intersection of, you know, the art side and the engineering side. So uh, I ended up doing that. Um, Basically, I think the thing that really like settled me in games was I worked on this project with some friends uh, called Recharge, which was a 2D platformer. Um, and the idea was it's shoot to move. So you have like a gun that you use to shoot enemies, but it also has a lot of recoil and you basically use that to jump and platform. Oh, cool. um, and yeah, so in I think it was 2018, we went to Boston Fig um, and we won the student category. So that was super cool. Um, and then we applied to the student category for the game awards, uh, and we got nominated. So we got to like fly over to LA and like watch the game awards. Um, didn't win that, but it was super cool. Um, so after that, I was like, okay, yeah, I got to do games for real. Like it was just very fun. I think working on it, um, and like seeing that attention, I guess, like from other people was very rewarding. Um, and yeah, so I ended up working at Harmonix uh, in Boston for a couple years. I worked on Fuser, uh, which is this DJing game. Mm. Uh, and I was on R&D for uh, maybe half a year. Um, and then I am currently at Unknown Worlds working on a unannounced project. Awesome, awesome. And Unknown Worlds, what, what are they known for? Uh, I think their most well-known game series is Subnautica. Awesome. Although I personally have not worked on it. 
So you, ha you haven't worked out on Subnautica at all yet? Nope. Okay, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I've tried Subnautica. Uh, it is really hard. Uh, it, uh, I, I am not good at survival games. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, it, it's gorgeous. I was playing it the the other week. It's it's super fun, but I yeah I I need something a little easier. Uh, I can't I can't be looking out for myself and feed myself all the time. I do that in real life, and when I'm when I'm playing a game, I want something more relaxing. Yeah, I'm always like, oh, I really want to explore here, and then I just run out of oxygen. And die. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, so you worked at Harmonix, and now you're at Subnautica. Um, but as a side project, you've been doing this, uh, QQ. So tell yeah. us a bit about uh, the game. Yeah, so I started this kind of, I think, 2019-ish. Um, I'd worked on it uh, actually in class a couple years before that, um, but didn't take it very far. Um, and so the concept originally was, um, the prompting class was asymmetric co-op. So, you know, uh, co-op where the two different players are presented with different information and different controls. So taking that pretty literally, it was like, okay, what if the players just see from two different perspectives? They see the same scene, but they're controlling two different axes and seeing it from two different perspectives. So originally Q-Cube was a co-op game, but it turned out it's like, what would usually happen is one player would just tell the other player what to do. Um, so it, it kind of made more sense as a single player game. Um, and you control the two sides of the screen using WASD and arrow keys. Um, so the game is kind of about using those two perspectives that you see to figure out what the 3D scene that you're looking at um, looks like, and then figuring out how to, how to navigate through that scene to reach the goal. Awesome. And the uh, the trailer that I was looking at at uh, the Boston Fig Virtual Fest there, it kind of broke my brain a bit because uh, I, I didn't mm -hmm. really understand how I was supposed to figure out the, the solution here. Because as you said, it, it looks like a co-op game because you're you're having these two uh, two planes of view, and we'll we'll dive into a, a few screenshots here in a bit. Uh, but as I was playing it, I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. But I have to think in multiple dimensions at the same time and from several different, uh, from two different viewpoints. And as I was playing the game, yes, it absolutely broke my brain multiple times. Uh, I, I felt like I, I don't understand how this is going to work. And then, of course, I, I found the solution for many of them. I still have not found the solution for level 42. Looking forward to trying that out uh, maybe tonight. Um, but yeah, it's it's really really cool the the way you uh, control um, your little character. Does it does your character have a name? Uh, nope. I guess it's it's just a cube. I think <laughs> in my scenes it's named Cube Character. <laughs> awesome. So the little cube that you move around, and let's uh, let's dive into uh, some of the artwork here, so people can see what we're talking about as well. So when you're when you're looking at the screen here, you're presented with these two different views, and you have to move around. I, I was using a controller, and it was super super um, slick to use a controller. I thought so that was super uh, super nice to see that I didn't have to use a keyboard, but I could use a controller as well. So twin stick, and uh, 
Yeah, I just had a blast playing through it and trying to figure out the, the puzzles here. So how did you come up with these puzzles? So first of all, how, how do you create something like this? Because you, you have to think about what it would look like and, and how it would work from a different point of view than the other than the two you're showing, right? Yeah, I mean, so I think my normal workflow uh, is, you know, Unity has the uh, the kind of like the editor viewpoint, which is like you see everything in 3D and then the, like the game viewpoint. Um, so I always have to work with both of them open. Um, so like here, yeah, this is an image of like what I'm looking at, I guess, in the 3D scene. Um, but it's hard to know how that translates into 2D. So I have this other camera view, right, with the two different perspectives that are split screen. So a lot of it is just like, you know, I know what it looks like in 3D, but I need to make sure it translates in 2D because it's very easy to make a 3D scene that doesn't, that isn't really like deducible from 2D. Um, so some of the things you might have noticed is like, I'll usually make sure things are at different heights. So you can always make that connection between the two objects there because they share that axis, right? So you know if something is this height and this side, and it's also that height and this side, that means it's like the same object. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, making the first few levels, it's really about trying to reinforce that concept um, about like, you know, at first it starts with just, it's the same goal, like you're trying to reach this one white ball, but it's, you know, even though it looks, you know, like it's on different places on both the screens, it actually is the same ball and you need to get both of your, both of your characters lined up with it in order to actually hit it. Um, and then moving on from that, it's like, okay, so now you have this cube, which is the same, but maybe it's longer in this dimension than the other one. Um, and then you have like a staircase or something and it's like, okay, like you need to jump on that step of the staircase at the same time, uh, in both dimensions, which, you know, it sounds complicated, but it's really, you just walk up to it in one dimension, make sure you're lined up in the other, and then jump onto it. Um, so it's kind of just trying to slowly introduce those concepts and then, Later, just kind of add, adding some of the typical platforming challenges, but it becomes much more complicated uh, when you're playing it in this like two-dimensional, three-dimensional view. Yeah, yeah uh, the as you advance, especially the, um, the little spring uh, mechanic that you have, the the jump mechanic, that threw me um, for a loop. Uh, for uh, a few times as well. It's like, okay, should I jump here or should I wait or where am I going? I'm not really sure. Oh, oh, I'm looking forward to lasers. Uh, that'll be fun. The um, yeah, the the puzzles are are really well uh, thought out. I thought in the uh, the start of the game really eases you into how you should think about the game. There's no there's very little explanation and you you kind of like putting out the player immediately like here just play this uh, and here's how you, how you yeah, just control it um it's kind of like uh, the, the first mega man um where you're just thrown in you have no idea what to do and all of a sudden you you have to um learn and adjust and, and understand how the game works to be able to play it so no tutorial really uh, outside of the, the first couple of few levels to get you eased into it um, but i really liked it it's it's really really neat um so the the cube character um what's the 
what's the genesis of this? You, you said it was a, a project that you worked on uh, for a bit in 2019. Um, so how did you come up with it? Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned it briefly, but it was basically I had a class even like a couple of years before that, it might've been 2017, where the prompt was asymmetric gameplay. Right. Um, so there's this kind of like asymmetric co-op experience. Um, and I worked on it a little bit with a few other people, but we didn't like take the concept super far. Um, and then kind of in 2019, after finishing up Recharge, I really wanted to come back to the idea basically and like flesh it out. So uh, you're the sole developer behind this game? Yeah, yeah. So you've done everything from art to programming to music. Um, yep. Uh, so you, you said you were interested in art. How, how did you get into, um, well, everything else uh, to, to become a, a game developer? You, you talked a bit about it, but how did you go from focusing on, on art more to becoming a game developer? Yeah, I mean, so I started working, like, I started learning computer science, uh, mostly in college, and that was very, like, interesting to me. I thought, like, the class is really fun. Um, so I was pretty interested in kind of, you know, the part of computer science that has some relationship to art, so, like, graphics, um, just, like, generative art, um, being able to like have that, like, so I think that part of me is like, I really enjoy kind of technical, logical thinking, but mm -hmm. I really enjoy more subjective aesthetic results. So <laughs> that's kind of what I'm drawn to. Um, and then music wise, uh, I like kind of have been involved in music since I was a kid, um, you know, did piano and then I was in chorus and like an acapella group in college. Um, so that was, always something I wanted to kind of use a little bit of. I wouldn't say I'm a great composer, but it's fun to be able to make these kind of simple things for the game. And, you know, I, I use a garage band for not only the soundtrack, but all of the sound effects are just kind of little instruments. Yeah, I, I'm super jealous of, uh, of um, people like you who have multiple talents like that. It's just so cool to see. Uh, I can barely st draw stick figures, and uh, I can do a bit of programming, but nothing like this. So uh, this is really cool to see. I mean, I'm sure you'd be able to do a uh, Q-Cube dart. It's pretty much all very simple primitives. Maybe you can teach me, because I, I have no <laughs> idea where to start. Um, so with the uh, with the puzzles, as they, as they progress, uh, how many levels are there in the game in total right now? I think there's 54 mm -hmm. right now. Um, so, so, as you progress, how, how do you how do you come up with new ideas for levels? Yeah, so I think each kind of there's I separate it into different looking environments. So you know we've been seeing like this is kind of like a cherry blossom themed one. There's like the desert. There's like under the sea. Um, but each of them kind of revolves around a different new mechanic. So this is the kind of starter area. It's just trying to learn it. The second one is about moving blocks. Um, so it's kind of, that's when you have to think about like, it's moving in one dimension, but not the other. Um, and what what that looks like. Um, the third one's kind of about like doors and like getting going through walls. Uh, the fourth one I think is like this rocket, like ramp kind of theme. Um, yeah, so it's kind of like coming up with one new mechanic 
um, and then trying to explore that fully and kind of teach you how that works before moving on to the next one. I like it. Uh, do you have do you have plans for more than fifty four levels? Uh, yeah, I guess I originally wanted to like do I don't know maybe it was too ambitious like a hundred levels, but I think basically when I was I started working on this one in twenty nineteen right, but that was before I started working full time. Um, so I kind of like dropped off on working on it so much. So at this point, I was like, I'm just gonna get something like out there and finished. But I do think I'm like kind of open to working on it more in the future if I come up with new ideas. Awesome. And yeah, so um, you sent over some level planning documents as well. So um, the existing ones, yeah, you talked about them, uh, Cherry Blossom, for instance, Winter, Cave, Underwater, um, the, the Rain, Grass, and Twilight. Then, um, yeah, the, the planned ones were Factory, maybe a beach level. Yeah. Um, jungle and sky and um, a TV, black and white, which is super interesting too. Um, yeah, I, I think the the laser kind of level ended up being a combination of like factory and like TV, I guess, like more technologically themes. And like I think most of the other levels are very like nature adjacent, I guess. It's a it, it's a very chill game, but you still. Uh, you still need to have full control over your character to move at, at certain times. It's not just a puzzle that you can solve by by just moving things around, but you you actually have to um, wait for like the right execute. moment as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it 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 has this this great vibe. I really like the the music, the aesthetic. It's super chill, but it also very frustrating at the same time and, and super, super fun. So uh, I really like it. Uh, I want to show the old levels a bit. And um, uh, did you show this at, uh, at other fig, uh, Boston Fig Fest or anything else or uh, demos or, or something like that? Not really. That was kind of just how the game started. So I, I had fun friends play it basically. Um, yeah, I mean, we can take a look and I can talk a bit more about it. Okay, let's do that. So uh, let's dive into um, the, again, the, the genesis of the game and, and kind of how it got started. So we have a, a few old levels that we can look at here. So tell me a bit about, about how um, this all got started and, and how it went from this to what we're seeing today. Yeah, so I think a lot of the old levels are very similar, like mechanically to the later levels. So like, you'll recognize this as like the forest bounce level. I think it's maybe like the second one in that environment. Um, so a lot of the mechanics or like a lot of the like general design of the level is like pretty much the same. Um, so it was kind of this whole process of just like figuring out how to communicate these rules um, and putting them into place. But I think when I started it, I was very kind of attached to this idea of everything needs to be super minimalist. Like there's no distractions. And like, I think another thing that you'll notice is like the colors are very bright. Um, and I tried to kind of keep it so that all of the different types of blocks are a different color. Um, and then they stay the same color in all the different environments. Um, so even though the background changes, the block is in color because I was worried like people, you know, would maybe have a hard time distinguishing between the different types of blocks. 
So like the base block is always red, no matter the environment. Um, and then like this whole block is always pink and then moving blocks are always blue. Um, so it wasn't very aesthetically pleasing, but I was trying to kind of keep it very straightforward. Um, and then I think eventually like one of my friends was like, it like, doesn't look great. Like, would it be okay if you like changed the color scheme a bit? And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'm just like worried that other people wouldn't be able to, you know, understand how they transferred over in different environments. But after trying it for a few different environments, I was like, oh no, this totally works. Um, so I think that's like the biggest change that you can see between the old levels and the new one is like, you know, there's a gradient background and they all have like a very explicit connection to some type of nature scene. Um, and I think that makes for a much better experience, I guess. Um, even though you're frustrated, hopefully the environment <laughs> is a little bit calming. No, the the frustration comes from the 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 puzzles that I that I don't understand how to solve. Uh, I'm not frustrated at the game. I'm just frustrated <laughs> at myself not being able to solve the puzzle. So no, I, I I was having a blast playing this the other night. Uh, it was really nice and yeah, just super chill as well. So you um, uh, tell me a bit about, about how you um, you got started with um, well your your game studio, uh, Clodasian Games and and uh, self-publishing as well um wh what are your thoughts about that and, and how did you uh, how did you plan that yeah i think i'm still very new to all of this so this is like my first kind of independent project and also the first time i've even tried to monetize anything a bit um so currently it's only on itch um just because that's definitely i think the most the easiest platform for indie developers to get on um, so I, that's definitely my, that's my first time doing it. Um, but I am looking to get it on steam eventually trying to like navigate that process, but I would say I'm still very new to all of this. So, uh, how does that work? How, how do you, um, how do you publish something on itch? I have no idea how that works. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. So if you create a new project, um, they kind of just give you this page to fill out so like you know you add your logo your titles um and then it's very nice like you can upload uh different files um and then you can also set a price for uh those files so you know you can say that this is like the pc one this is the mac one um and then you can set a general price for any of the downloads um and then another convenient feature is they also let you have a demo on the same one so you can like check off like this build is a demo build so don't charge for this one um and you can upload screenshots and like a trailer so i'd say it's very very user friendly um and that they kind of just set up the whole page for you that's awesome so um pretty pretty easy to get started uh I mean, that, that sounds great and, and definitely what's needed for indies uh so this is really cool so you said uh you might be looking at steam as well yeah uh, trying to you, figure out that process. I haven't gone that far, but uh, are you looking at any other platforms as well? Um, I haven't been actively considering it, uh, but I think something early on that like people have said is like maybe this could be a mobile game. Mm -hmm. I'd have to rethink the controls there, but depending on how much work work I want to put into this, maybe I would uh, give that a try. Yeah, I, I was thinking uh, this 
this definitely fits. So uh, I was playing it with a, a regular controller, so a twin stick setup. Uh, and I was thinking this would also be a, a really good Switch game, I think. Um, so uh, have you had any thoughts about that? I haven't looked into that at all. <laughs> I have no idea what, what that would entail, but um, you're creating it in Unity, so hopefully it would be fairly easy to port something uh, over to it. Because um, I, I think the 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 whole game, the, the, the way it looks and the way it controls, I think it would yeah, definitely fit really well into a handheld. And right now, of course, the 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 Switch is the biggest seller for that. Um, and if you were on Steam, then the Steam Deck, of course, uh, would be a really nice handheld for it as well. So this is this is really cool. I, um, you're monetizing it right now. It's only two bucks. Again, uh, I I don't understand how you can only take two bucks for this. I I was super happy to to throw that money uh, up on itch there. Um, so, uh, what were you, um, what are you thinking when you, when you look at monetizing your, your product like this, um, what goes through your head? Yeah. I mean, I think part of it was, I was just asking my friends, like, how much would you pay for this? Um, especially like coming in, like, you know, imagine you don't know me, um, and you don't know that much about the game. So that's part of it. Um, also kind of looking at the amount of playtime. So like, obviously it depends on how fast you're getting through this, but I think on average, it's like between one and two hours or something um, compared to, you know, there's much larger games. Um, so kind of thinking of that and like, also I just want it to be accessible enough of a price point. Like I think to me right now, it's not really my main income. So I think one of my big goals is just to have more people play my game. So keeping it more accessible, I guess, is like some something that I'm trying to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I love it. Uh, it. Yeah, as I said, two bucks, easy buy, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it, it got me playing it. Uh, I really like it. So I'm I'm happy to share it with others as well. Um, I I hope they will uh, be happy to pay for it as well. So um, what do you um what do you planning for the game you said you you had this uh big goal of maybe a hundred levels um where where do you see the game in say six months yeah i mean i think it really depends on uh, how i'm feeling i think um you know in the past few months i kind of fleshed out the laser levels like that was the biggest uh new environment um so, you know, I had some of the other ideas that you mentioned, like from the sign docs. Um, but I think for me, like my approach to this project has always been very much like I work on what I want. Um, so like, you know, my, my design docs are very scattered because I think since it's just uh, myself, I kind of write down my ideas. But in the end, I kind of want to keep it like I'm only working on what I want to work on. Um, so like, Part of it is like I am a programmer at work, right? So I keep the programming in this game very light. Mm -hmm. um, everything is pretty uh, simple. It's like just a character moving around. Um, and I am kind of leaning a lot more into like the aesthetic senses, um, like music and just like the general look of the game. Like I think that's like pretty fun for me to work on. Um, so I kind of keep. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of open to working on more stuff, but I also don't really want to force myself to 
uh, work on the parts that I don't enjoy because I think the goal for me with this game is ultimately just to build something that I want, um, not necessarily to you know, make a ton of money or like do something very complicated. Um, yeah, so I think I'm definitely open to adding more things, but at the same time, uh, I'm not going to force myself, I guess. I, th I think that's smart, um, for sure. Uh, you, you don't want to get burnt out on, on stuff you don't want to do, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I think sometimes hard just like working in games full time, but also as your side project. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so speaking of the, the indie game and indie game community, um, what do you, um, are you, are you a part of any indie game uh, communities uh, around here, uh, around here in Boston or um, online or something else? Um, I would say, like, the most interaction I get, I guess, is, like, Boston Fig. Mm -hmm. um, I have attended Boston Game Loop in the past, and, like, I think I obviously, like, know some people from working at Harmonix, but I am not really as involved as I'd want to be, and I think, you know, part of it was uh, I started wanting to be more involved kind of right before the pandemic started. Um, so I've kind of been waiting for the in-person events to start back up so I can, you know, Get more involved because I, I really like every time I talk to people, you know, around here who are working on their own indie projects, uh, it's like super rewarding and super fun because I think everyone has all these different perspectives um, and are working on really cool projects. And it's, you know, cool to be able to talk to them in person. So definitely something I want to do more of. Yeah, I'm, I'm also lo looking forward to uh, in person events a lot here. We, uh, we started Hit Save. Uh, right at the uh, as the pandemic started as well, and uh, it's definitely something that we want to do. We want to go out and meet people, and go to conferences, and cool events, and indie game meetups, and things like that. So yeah, we're we're definitely looking forward to that too. Um, so speaking of indie gaming uh, and indie games in general, what are you most excited uh, about for the the future of indie games? Yeah, I think. I mean. Definitely the appeal of indie games for me is, I think, one, that they're often more creative. Um, they, I think, you know, since it's a smaller team, it's, it's easier to take risks, I guess. Um, and then I think another thing that really appeals to me is just, like, since usually there's fewer people working on it, I think each individual's contribution is uh, much more easily felt by the player. Like, you can kind of be their vision for the game. Um, you know, whether they're the artist or the programmer, like writer, um, I think it comes across like a lot more personal when it's, you know, just one or two people working on some part of the game. Um, yeah, so I think like for me, like I don't play a ton of AAA games. So like I think it's been really cool to just see the indie space like evolve i think nowadays there's indie games with a lot more polish and like obviously there's you know kind of bigger publishers of indie games nowadays so that's been kind of interesting but like hopefully that means that like these small teams are able to get more funding and like bring together um really good teams to and like have enough time to work on the product that they want so i'm hoping that it will kind of continue in that direction where you know, we're just seeing more and more people kind of get that the financial support they need um, to work on 
bigger projects and like risky new things that we wouldn't really see as much in these like huge budget AAA games. All right. This has been awesome, Carolyn. Uh, thank you so much for, for being a part of the interview here. Where can people find out more about the game, about you and what you're up to? Yeah, so um, I'm Cludossian on most platforms. So you can find me on Twitter at, at Cludossian. And I also have at Cludossian underscore games um, that is more focused on my games. So mostly Qcubed. Um, and then Qcubed is currently on itch.io available. There's a demo with 20 something levels and then the full game or the 54 levels that are out now uh, is available for $2. Um, and hopefully in maybe a few months it'll be on Steam. Um, yeah, and I hope to be posting a little bit more on my Twitter so you can follow my progress there. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, definitely go check out uh, QCube. I've been having a blast playing through it. Um, it's absolutely worth $2, so please go uh, buy it and support Carolyn here and uh, give her feedback. Um, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Uh, I'm Jonas Roslin here with HitSave. This has been an interview for the Indie Game Preservation Project. Have an awesome uh, rest of the week, everyone. Thanks for listening.